There are two dilemmas that rattle the human skull. How do you hold on to someone who won't stay? And how do you get rid of someone who won't go? From Pod 617 Productions, it's Shine On, a presentation of Berkman, Botker, Newman, and Shine. Now here's your host, attorney Evan Shine. Episode 18 of the Shine On Podcast, I'm Evan Shine. Producer David Yaz is with us. On today's episode, I am joined by relationship expert, New York Times bestselling author, renowned matchmaker, Rachel Greenwald. We are going to talk to Rachel about what the search for love is really like after a divorce, how to do it right. We are also going to talk to Rachel about the great divorce and dating after being in a long-term marriage after going through a split and breakup. In recent months, it feels like it's every day where we keep hearing more and more about great divorce as the studies and research continue to show that more couples over the age of 50 years old are divorcing. I'll tell you what I'm seeing in my practice as a divorce attorney in New York City. What does our relationship expert, Rachel Greenwald, see and hear from her clients who are looking for love post-divorce in their 50s, 60s, and even 70s, who are starting over looking for love after going through a divorce later in life? Coming up on the other side of the docket is my interview with our featured guest this week on episode number 18 of the Shine On Podcast, Rachel Greenwald. This is an interview that you will not want to miss. All right, counselor, as usual, the docket is ready to go. Are you ready, my friend? Dave, I'm fired up. Let's do it. All right. And now let's see what's on the docket. So first, Evan, we have an article from Parade.com, and the headline reads, No one wants to Google how to get a divorce. So here's your expert-approved step-by-step guide. Interesting piece, and they call upon a couple experts. But I don't know what more you want me to pull out of this other than to ask you what your reaction was to this, and did they... Did they get it right? I mean, some of the tips include the obvious ones. Call a divorce attorney, assemble financial documents, open new checking and savings account, et cetera. But your thoughts? Dave, I got to tell you, I love this article and the guide that's put together by Caitlin Vogel. Look, preparation's key, and the article talks about just that, how to be prepared for the divorce process, which can be emotionally and financially taxing. The world of divorce has so many ups and downs, and preparation, being organized, and working with the right attorney, it's everything. It's absolutely key as you embark on the divorce process. Look, as a divorce attorney and litigator in New York City, what I want to add to this guide is litigation specific. In addition to everything that's mentioned in the article about the assembly of financial documents and trying to truly understand your financial picture in advance of moving forward with a divorce I want my clients to know about the court process. What does litigation really look like? What's going to happen at each appearance? What's the timing to getting my divorce done? Is the judge involved? How involved is the judge? What happens in a courtroom? And what should I expect? Taking the mystery out of the divorce process is so incredibly important because of how emotional and stressful divorce is. And Dave, I'll tell you what, there's a brilliant quote in the article from Dr. Sanam Hafiz, 
a New York-based neuropsychologist and faculty member at Columbia University. She says a divorced attorney is someone who will be on your side and be able to think through legal decisions rationally. A divorced attorney can also advise you against taking certain actions that you might make in haste, anger, and emotion that could harm you down the road from a legal standpoint. Dave, I can't tell you how many times clients call me and say, I just did this. And I'm thinking, why would you do this and make this emotional decision before you called me? And so when I hear this, you know, hear this quote, and when I read this quote from, you know, the doctor mentioned in the article, I absolutely love it. And she's right. Having an attorney be part of the process, not after decisions are made, but in the beginning to guide you and advise you for this reason and so many others. It's so incredibly important. So those are things like I threw all of his golf clubs in the lake or something of, of that nature. That's 100% right. Don't throw the golf clubs in the lake. Just don't do it. Make don't the call first. Tra- make the call first. Yeah. Don't transfer millions of dollars out of a bank account and then file for divorce the next day. Talk to an attorney who can advise you and guide you. But yes, throwing the golf clubs in the lake, I will tell you that's not the ideal way you want to start a divorce process. Well, and most people should know that you shouldn't really hesitate to call a lawyer, even if you're not convinced that you want to get divorced. Is that true? Dave, it is true. And look, as I've talked about before in the podcast, I talk to clients for months, some even years, and we'll talk through, should you get divorced? If you're going to get divorced, the best way to plan and best way to be prepared. And look, divorce for so many people, it's a last resort. I mean, whether it's couples therapy or counseling or different programs, you know, to work with people to try to resolve and save your marriage and relationship. Divorce is a last resort for so many people. So I'll work with people for, for months and for years before they call me. But what I tell everybody listening is call a divorce attorney before you're going to make certain decisions that are going to drastically impact your divorce. There you go. Excellent advice per usual. Next up on the docket from today.com. What is a gray divorce? This article provides six things to know about splitting up later in life. Gray divorce, of course, is refers to when people who are of an advanced age and decide perhaps counterintuitively to get divorced. This article points out things like there are questions you should ask before leaving. It might be easier to make a clean break. It might actually be harder on your children. What did you think of today's show's thoughts on gray divorce? Dave, look, the article talks about how divorce is much more common amongst those who are 55 and older. The article references the U.S. Census Bureau, which according to the data, divorce rates were highest, approximately 43% for both sexes between ages 55 to 64. Great divorce, couples in long-term marriages who stayed together for whatever the reasons may have been, children or financial or something else, people are now looking to follow a new path. And I wonder, look, is there going to be a Gates effect with the news that Bill and Melinda Gates are now getting divorced? Will the trend continue to grow? And what impact will their divorce have on so many other couples who were contemplating a divorce and now a divorce involving a couple with the recognition that the Gates have? How does that affect so many other people out there? But there's two points I want to mention. First is mediation, which is a great option for people. The article mentions it. We recently talked with mediation expert Susan Guthrie about the mediation process. And the second point, which I can't wait to talk with relationship expert 
and matchmaker Rachel Greenwald on today's episode is the fear that people have about meeting someone else or dating at a later stage in life. Is that still there or is it much less now due to the dating world and online dating? And to what extent does this make people feel optimistic and hopeful about finding love again and entering the dating waters? Goes to show you Bill Gates. He's a pioneer in almost everything he does, even getting to probably not what he wants to be a pioneer for in this case, but, but. you know what he's not, he's known for so much. I think, uh, you know, the divorce, uh, his divorce will be something that, you know, at some point in time will, will not be talked about really right. as much as some of his other accomplishments. Right. But it does go to show you sometimes he's just like the rest of us poor people having to face the normal challenges in life. <laughs> at any rate, as a matter of fact, the next item on the docket is on this very subject article from uh, us news and World Report headline reads, advisors can learn from the Bill Gates divorce. And the Gates divorce, reads the article, brings attention not only to complexities when high net worth clients split, but also to the growing phenomenon of gray divorce, which you've discussed, Evan. Sometimes the two issues are intertwined as older couples may have accumulated significant assets over the years. Your thoughts on this? If the article quotes different high net worth financial advisors, two mm-hmm. tips. The article mentions that both parties should be knowledgeable about finances before they go through the divorce process. I 100% agree. Unfortunately, I see the other side of this and what it can look like if one person has absolutely no understanding of the family finances and how initially it can put someone at a disadvantage if the other person has already been divorce planning. And tip two, and it's one we've talked about before, is the importance of having a prenuptial agreement. Look, reports are that Bill and Melinda Gates did not have a prenuptial agreement. Probably matters a lot less when you have hundreds of billions of dollars to divide. But look, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the prenuptial agreement conversation before marriage. But look, as the article mentions, and I'll say it again right now, even if you don't enter into a prenuptial agreement and then you get married, it's not too late to enter into a post-nuptial agreement to protect a business, assets, or income, even if you get married without a prenup. And that that comes up more often in your practice now, Evan, than in later years? Dave, I'm seeing it more and more. I would say in the past five years, seven years, more people are coming into my office looking for a post-nup. People are having an entrepreneurial mindset, looking to create something, and looking to protect what their hard work is going into. So absolutely, past five years or so, I'm doing more and more post-ups. It's a big part of my practice. Our featured guest this week on the Shine Up podcast is Rachel Greenwald. Rachel is one of the most successful matchmakers responsible for over 850 marriages in the past 20 years. She is the New York Times bestselling author of two dating books, Find a Husband After 35, Using What I Learned at Harvard Business School, and Have Him at Hello, Confessions from 1,000 Guys About What Makes Them Fall in Love or Never Call Back. Rachel has been featured in the media as a relationship expert, including on the Today Show, CNN, New York Times, Fortune Magazine, NPR, and many other media outlets. Rachel co-teaches a popular post-divorce boot camp 
retreat to help single people get back into the dating world after divorce. Rachel, thank you for joining us. I appreciate the time. How are you? Hi, Evan. Great to be here. Rachel, there's so much I want to discuss and get into and talk to you about. And I want to start by asking you and talking about great divorce and the phenomenon which, you know, couples who were getting divorced later in life in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. And recently, there's been a lot of articles written and studies over the past few months about the increase in divorce rates for couples in long-term marriages who were over 50 years old and who were now getting divorced. And you're a relationship expert. You help people find love and find happiness. And so I want to ask you, for someone who you work with who is over the age of 50 and is newly divorced and single and coming off a long-term relationship and marriage and the roller coaster that is the divorce process, how do you work with your clients and what is your approach? Well, Evan, this gray divorce is definitely a phenomenal trend, um, especially after COVID, where I think a lot of people spent too much time with their spouse and have really just reevaluated the relationship. So I think the first thing to describe with someone who is coming off of a long-term marriage like that is to understand that the dating world has entirely changed since the last time they were single. The uh, bulk of dating is now done online, and most people have no idea how to do that. But they have to realize that dating is a skill. It's not something as innate as it may have felt back in their 20s when they were first single and, and meeting their spouse. So now dating requires assistance, whether it means reading self-help books or listening to podcasts like this or working with a dating coach or a matchmaker. It really is something that you need assistance with to get up to speed. Kind of like if you were trying to become a finance expert, you know, you wouldn't just know how to do it. You'd have to read books or get a, you know, a coach or something like that. So that's something that a lot of people don't think is romantic. And they balk at that idea about outsourcing their love life or getting advice because people think it should be like a Hollywood rom-com meeting where you're just going to meet somebody new spontaneously. I think there's also this element of setting expectations that is important for somebody coming off of a long-term divorce, that it is not going to be easy, but finding the right person is going to be worth it. So I always want people to know that there's going to be effort involved. And one thing that has happened in you know 20 or 25, 30 years of marriage that most people have gone through in these gray divorces is that there's been a complacency that's set in. They've become complacent in their expectations of what makes them happy. They've become complacent in keeping up their physical appearance. And these are things that need to be reevaluated. So I help people update their look. You know, sometimes that means their wardrobe or their makeup or their hairstyle, their physical fitness. A lot of guys, I end up saying, you know, we got to trim those eyebrows or those nose hairs or ears hair, <laughs> ear hairs. So there's, there's that process as well that sounds really superficial, but it's important to remember that dating at any age is a visual experience and there is a, a chemistry and a, an attraction 
And if you aren't keeping up your appearance and especially updating it, you're not going to do as well in the dating world. Rachel, you mentioned so many things that, you know, I, I want to piggyback off of and, and, and talk to you about. And, you know, you talk about trying to navigate the dating world alone and whether it's reading self-help books or working with someone like yourself and, and, and really working with a team of people to get back out there and to have the confidence and really, you know, the, the skill set to, to get back into the dating world. And for people who are in their 50s and 60s, this is a world people have not been in for a long, long time. I mean, for many people back since, you know, college or their early 20s, and you mentioned the online dating world and most people are finding, or many people are finding love and matches through technology and computers. A lot of people at this age, they're just learning to figure out maybe how to use computers. So talk to us about the challenges that your clients face when they're looking to find love or looking to date at this particular age. Well, I think most people in their 50s and 60s who are going through a great divorce are comfortable with the computer, but what they're not comfortable with is the superficiality of how dating works online and understanding that it is first and foremost a visual medium. So I, the first thing I have to do with people is get new photos taken. Most people I talk to have only photos of their whole family or photos of them with their kids, but they don't even have photos by themselves. And let alone good ones, you know, it's this mindset that I battle all the time, which is that someone will think if my future partner doesn't want me for, you know, how I look every day, then they're not the right person for me. But that's just not how it works. And so having really good images from a professional photographer is this grading concept that most people hate, but they need to do it. So that's you know, a, a process to try to get candid, natural outdoor photos, and then to try to understand that talking about yourself is a marketing exercise. I'll find that a lot of people coming out of divorces are angry or bitter about things their ex-spouse did. And so they start off their written profiles with things that they don't want. You know, I don't want someone who doesn't see the glass half full, or I don't want someone who's judgmental. And those are just turnoffs in the marketing space. And so there's just this element of getting them to understand that similar to trying to get a new job where you have to put your best foot forward and you need a resume that's really compelling and showing off your best features. So too is the online dating practice. And it's, it can be fun. You know, it's not all a set of disappointments. I mean, of course, it's not a perfect medium and there's going to be ups and downs, but understanding that it's a means to an end and that there will be a lot of fun experiences meeting new people. It doesn't have to be the case that every date is going to lead to a romance, but that there has to be an attitude of openness and curiosity and exploration that goes along with online dating. There are 50 million people who are dating online today, and I'm going to guess zero actually want to be dating online, <laughs> but you know, maybe just like going to the dentist to get your teeth cleaned. It's not an enjoyable experience all the time, but it also doesn't have to be terrible. And you're doing it because you want the end result. And Rachel, that, that, that's such a good point. That I want to ask you because a lot of my clients go through a year, two year, sometimes three year long divorce and people, 
get a judgment of divorce back. And there's so many mixed emotions. You use the words, you know, angry or bitter. And, and, and so I want to ask you, how do you, in your experience as a relationship expert, help people to put aside those feelings and separate feelings that someone may be having, whether it was a, towards their ex or about the divorce process and embark on this dating journey and have that mindset where you head into it and, you know, with this open mind and that it could be a fun experience. How, how did those emotions get separated? So the divorce journey and what was in the past gets separated from the dating experience and what lays ahead? That's such an important question, Evan. I'm so glad you asked because it's not about stuffing those feelings down inside you and repressing them and acting as if everything is cheerful and fine. I think, first of all, there should be a transition period of some kind where somebody really takes time for themselves and figures out how to rejuvenate both mentally, emotionally, physically. And so there may be a time separation between when they're either separated or divorced and then ready to start dating again. I don't think though that there needs to be this this openness to the point of, you know, TMI. Sure. So a lot of times the first question or among the first few questions on a date is something to do with, well, why did you get divorced? And I think those early questions don't have to be answered fully. You know, they you should practice in the mirror, similar to an elevator pitch for a, a business or job that you have, where you have a 30 second version of why you got divorced. That is mostly, you know, flattering, optimistic view along the lines of, well, you know, he's a great father or, you know, I really admire all her accomplishments, but ultimately we just didn't see life the same way. And, you know, the good news is that we co-parent well together and our kids are doing okay. And, you know, honestly, when we get to know each other better, I'd love to dive deeper into this important subject. But meanwhile, let's talk about your trip to Croatia next week. That sounds incredible. Hey, Rachel, as, as, <laughs> you know, as I'm just, listening to you, it, it, it's, I wish I, I want to take those 30 seconds and just play it over and over and over because I'm guessing so many people don't do that. So many people spend you know, date one and date two, talking about their divorce and their ex and all the problems and issues that took place in their prior relationship and prior marriage. And that's a reason that, you know, maybe there isn't necessarily a date two or a date three. Well, I think you have to appoint other people in your life to complain to about your ex and to express your darkest feelings about your emotional state, whether those are family members or best friends or a therapist. But remember that a date is an opportunity to get to know somebody new and to recreate a future with that person potentially that has little to do with the bad experiences of your past. And so you don't want to spend the date talking about negative things because not only are you going to deflate your own emotions, but the person you're on the date with is going to be left with potentially a feeling of, wow, it was good to vent, but probably also the feeling of that really wasn't fun. 
And it may be a subtle emotion that they leave with, but there's something in psychology called the recency effect. And so if you have spent the majority and especially the latter half of your date talking about your ex, your mood was probably not elevated and you go home and your brain might be saying, oh, that was an attractive, smart, nice person, but your, your body and your mood are telling you the most recent feeling I have is a, is a negative one, even if you can't put your finger on why, but it's really because you've been talking incessantly about your divorce and your negative feelings. They're not going to call you back. And they're going to associate that negative feeling with you simply because of your conversation topic. Rachel, on that point, I want to ask you, how does someone not fall into old habits in terms of what he or she is looking for? And when you work with clients, do you find that people who are newly single after coming out of a divorce, they tend to look for someone who is just like their ex? Well, I actually have an exercise that I do with all my new clients in the very first meeting. And before we arrive at that first meeting, I've sent them a questionnaire to fill out in advance. And it's about 20 questions, but buried in the middle of those 20 questions is really only one key question that I'm interested in. And it looks very innocuous at first. It's simply the question, what are you looking for in a mate? And So, of course, everybody thinks that's a normal expected question to be on the form of a matchmaker, dating coach, and they start to fill out all these things about what they want. They want a certain height, they want a certain body type, a certain education level, maybe a specific religion, all these kinds of things. And they'll even say things like, you know, whatever you do, don't introduce me to an investment banker or a lawyer or whatever profession (laughs) their ex was because they don't want that profession. And then they start the meeting with me weeks later in person or on Zoom. And the first exercise I say is I want you to think of somebody in your life that really makes you feel happy when you're with them, somebody who elevates your mood. This could be a family member, a close friend, a college roommate from you know, 20 years ago, whatever it is, name this person, any gender, it doesn't matter. And so somebody might say, oh, it's my sister. I am so happy whenever I'm with my sister. And then I'll say, well, tell me about your sister. Why does she make you feel so happy when you're with her? And they'll start describing these much more subtle, profound dynamics of what actually makes them happy. And they'll say things like, you know, my sister just isn't judgmental and my sister has a great sense of humor and she really understands me and she has a high level of empathy. And anyway, they start describing and then I'll pull out their answer from their questionnaire that they filled out a couple of weeks ago. And I'll look at the list of what they're looking for, basically what they want versus what they need to feel happy. And I'll explain that the gap between these two lists is actually what is preventing them from finding the right person. It's the difference between their wants and their needs. And A lot of people coming out of a divorce will mistakenly think that what they originally were looking for in their 20s, that they wanted to find in a life partner where they were going to have children with this person and they were going to build careers together, they'll think that that set of criteria should still apply today, that it's about 
what they want and not what their circumstances and their emotional makeup require for happiness. And so it's really a powerful exercise when they realize that there's a big difference between looking for something you want, especially what you thought you wanted when you married your ex. And now thinking years later in your 50s, 60s, 70s, what it is that truly makes you happy in your heart. And that's usually a breakthrough for people. And Rachel, we've talked about dating and divorce, and I want to shift gears and talk to you about relationships. And I want to ask you about the news of Melinda and Bill Gates, they're divorcing. And this has sparked, you know, the flurry of articles on great divorce and the reasons for it and why we are seeing more and more couples breaking up later in life. Is it the children are now out of the house? Is it that people are living longer and want more out of life? at this point in time, is it something else? And I see this in my practice as a divorce attorney all the time. And I wanna ask you, why are we seeing an increase in grade divorces? And does it make sense to you, especially given the time that we're living in with the pandemic? Yeah, that's so interesting that the news of the Gates divorce has really been echoing in the world of, of dating coaches and matchmakers the last couple of weeks. Because on the outside, they looked like a happy, successful, productive couple. And so it's been really surprising to, you know, probably 99.99% of the world that they weren't. Um, So I think that, first of all, you have to know that we sort of all know this intellectually, but we forget it, that what goes on behind closed doors is entirely different than what you see in public. And that's not just for high profile couples, but it's for everyday couples as well. And so I think this increase in divorces now is really number one, because people feel more emboldened that there may be somebody else out there for them because of the internet. And all this explosion of online dating has made us all aware that we're not just limited to our small social circles and that you know, we hear more and more stories of somebody who met someone online in another state or reconnected with an old flame from high school over Facebook. And so there just seems like more possibility to find happiness now than ever before. And then of course, COVID, I mean, COVID, as I mentioned earlier, really forced people to face each other day to day that they, you know, haven't done in years. They've probably cobbled together a life full of their busy work and travel outside the house. So I think those two events have really collided into this new explosion. But I think it's also important to remember that, you know, I think there's just a lower tolerance now for being unhappy in general. You know, more people see therapists, more people read books and listen to TED Talks on happiness and optimism and how short life is. And just that proliferation of availability that there is more out there has really driven this uh, increase in divorce. Absolutely. And Rachel, the other thing I would add is, you know, divorce, you know, it's not this taboo thing. It's accepted. People are looking for more out of life and you're, you're spot on in terms of the resources and, you know, the happiness that people are looking to find. Rachel, I want to ask you about the post-divorce boot camp that you run and you co-teach in Candy Ranch Spa in Tucson, Arizona. 
I think this is such a great idea. Tell us why you started this and really the structure of the boot camp. Oh, this is uh, one of my favorite topics because there there is so much frustration out there among people who are just getting divorced and trying to figure out what to do next and how to bring romance back into their life. The post-divorce boot camp really came about four years ago. There's an incredible colleague at Canyon Ranch named Amy Hawthorne, and she runs an area of Canyon Ranch that deals a lot with helping people figure out their um, blind spots and getting them unstuck from various aspects of their life. And so she and I, along with the rest of the you know brilliant staff at Canyon Ranch, created this three-day retreat where people could come and rejuvenate for a lot of different areas of their life. First, to certainly develop techniques and tactics and strategies to get back out in the dating world and find love again. And other areas and, you know, very important are trying to get your energy and your mojo back where you feel like you're your body is in great shape because you're exercising and you feel like your emotions are in check. We do topics like the science of happiness and, you know, understanding relationship red flags and even enhancing sexual wellness. We even look at things like the gluten connection to understand whether gluten could be interfering with your energy levels, which all feeds into your enthusiasm to go back out there and find love. So everything from, you know, understanding how uncertainty helps people grow, even talking about meditation and heart opening yoga practices, astrology, forgiveness, all these kind of topics are something that Amy Hawthorne and I and the rest of the staff really focus on during this retreat. And it's, it's really powerful. Rachel, I know one of one of the parts of the program is examining, you know, the relationship that people have with themselves. And I want to ask you, tell us why this is so important in terms of someone learning how to date themselves and carving out time for himself or herself to really figure out what they're looking for in life and, you know, in a partner. Well, I think that most people, when they're looking for a partner, uh, the second time around, uh, often the third or fourth time around, because we get people with <laughs> uh, multiple divorces, is that they're focused on where to meet somebody. And they figure that it's all about tactics and technique about dating. And they don't take into account that what goes on in their own minds and their own bodies is equally important. So you know, we talk a lot at the boot camp at Canyon Ranch about, you know, heart opening practices through yoga and the science of happiness and figuring out how uncertainty can help you grow. And, you know, just understanding like relationship red flags and, you know, loving yourself as your true self. You know, there are these parallel processes that all go into the process of finding a mate. And it can't just be about the tactics and techniques. So part of it is getting yourself ready to be loved by the right person. And that is very much, you know, this 
focus that we have where it's not just about your relationship with someone else, but your relationship with yourself. And Rachel, do you recommend that people hit the pause button, work on themselves before they start dating, if they feel resistant or fearful to put themselves out there to find love again? Well, that's a a, a tough question that I think everyone has to answer individually. You know, for a lot of people, they've been in marriages that have been stagnating for a long time. And so when they finally get separated or divorced, they are really ready to go because it has been such a journey already. And others may feel blindsided. You know, the divorce may have happened suddenly and they're coping with a lot of anger. So pushing the pause button will amount to a different quantity of time for each person. But I think it's important to remember that no one is ever going to be fully ready to make themselves vulnerable and get out in the dating world and potentially face rejection. That's something that you're never going to be fully ready for. So, you know, I hear a lot of excuses that people make, which I feel like oftentimes are a shield for really just protecting their heart. You know, they'll say, well, when I lose 10 pounds, I'll be ready to date or, When my daughter graduates high school, I'll be ready to focus on this. You know, whatever the excuse is, I say to those people, get your finger off the pause button because there is never going to be a perfect time. You just have to take the plunge and know that there are going to be many ups and downs. It's not a straight line. It's, it's a process and you're refining your everything as you go. But life is short and I don't want people to wait and wait and wait for that day that never comes when they're hundred percent ready. Hey, Rachel, that, that's such a great point that look, you know, I tell people and clients of mine about the divorce process. It's not something you want to navigate alone. It sounds like the dating world after divorce is similar to that as well. So with that said, tell us when the next boot camp is and how can people find out about it? Oh, great. I'm glad you asked. So the next boot camp at Canyon Ranch is mid-November. People arrive on November 17th, and then it's a three-day boot camp, and they depart on November 21st. And people often stay longer as well because it's just so beautiful there to enjoy the spa and all the fitness activities and hikes. But the boot camp itself is this, you know, program where we culminate at the last night around an outdoor fire pit. And it's a really profound experience that you've gone through with other people. I do a fireside chat with the group on the last night and they ask me some really intimate and vulnerable questions. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And again, it's, it's mid-November. And Rachel, I would think that, you know, the, the people who, you know, attend the boot camp, and I, I think it, it sounds so fantastic and, and to be part of the community that you have and, and really to go through this together. And so how important is it when, look, if, if people who are going through a divorce, you know, there's certain emotions, they're, they're fearful of getting back out there, they might have just gone out of, you know, a high conflict divorce. And when you know that you're going through the dating process, the dating journey, the search for love with other people who may have been through the same experience as you, I would think that that has to be such an important thing for people to know that they're not alone in the process. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I think we get um, so much feedback about how meeting other people going through the same process there in Tucson is uh, really vital to the success because you know, when you're going through the divorce, you're isolated. A lot of times I hear people tell me that they don't want to share with even their closest friends what's really going on inside the divorce. And so they feel increasingly isolated and that few people can relate to what they're going through. And then they arrive at Canyon Ranch and there's this, you know, group of other people who are road warriors with you. It really makes a big difference to be able to open up and share that these experiences are universal and to hear what other people are going through just often makes each person feel like, well, at least they don't have it that bad. <laughs> it's, it's funny how everyone feels like they don't have it as bad as, as everyone else. We also have people in the post-divorce boot camp that are widowed or people who have never been married. It's not even exclusive to just people going out of the divorce but it's people who have um, ended a relationship in whatever form that has taken. And so you really see a spectrum of, you know, the single journey and, you know, we just get so many um, interesting stories. I was just there last month, actually, I guess it was in April this year. And we had two of our boot camp participants meet each other on property. And last I heard, they were making plans to see each other in the you know, state where one of them lived. So wow. it was really heartwarming to see that not only is this a journey about getting out there again, but getting out there actually, you know, created a situation where two people met at Canyon Ranch. So well, that's absolutely amazing to hear. And, and when you hear something like that, knowing that you're a part of it and, and you know, it, it, it took place in Arizona at the boot camp, I mean, that, that has to be such a rewarding and incredible feeling for you. It is. That's the best part of my job. I think that matchmakers go through our own ups and downs emotionally working with people. And, you know, when we help people find love, it's the best feeling in the world. And when it doesn't work, we're really depressed about it and frustrated. So on the day where, you know, somebody meets, that's a good day to talk to one of us. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, this was absolutely fantastic. I want to thank you for coming on the Shine On podcast. Tell us where people can find out more information about the boot camps and events and your books and how can people get in touch with you? Well, I have a website, rachelgreenwald.com. Everything's on there. And Canyon Ranch has a website as well, Canyon Ranch Tucson. And all the information about the post-divorce boot camp can be found on their site. And, um, you know, I'm on all the major social media channels. So, you know, feel free to follow me on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. And I try to post as much relevant dating advice and inspiration as I can. Rachel, nobody does it better than you. It was an absolute pleasure having you on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Evan. So great to talk to you. Dave, what a show on the Shine On podcast. Episode number 18 in the books, Rachel Greenwald. She was absolutely brilliant. The relationship guru who helps people navigate post-divorce dating and look, her success rate, it speaks for itself. Thank you to the listeners on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and wherever else you listen to your podcast, producer, David Yass, thank you as always. Another great one, my friend. Thanks. 
To all the listeners that can follow me on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, send your emails and comments into the Shine On Podcast email address, Evan at shineandivorce.com. Head over to shineandivorce.com to listen to all episodes and read my latest blogs featuring our great podcast guests. I'm Evan Shine, and we'll talk to you again real soon.